You're listening to Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun, a Utah Lake Commission podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun podcast. My name is Sam Brager, Programs Manager for the Utah Lake Authority. And in today's episode, we are continuing the series uh, for the FFSL Science Management and Policy event that was held back in October in regards to Utah Lake. And we've had some great uh, presenter uh, audio that's been shared so far talking about um, science and policy and how they pair together, uh, talking about water rights and how that's managed within the lake. And in today's episode, we're going to be playing audio from a presentation done by Candice Hastings. Hasten Yeager, who is the director of the Division of Water Resources. So this is a division underneath uh, Department of Natural Resources, DNR, that focuses specifically on water as a resource here in the state. Um, And her presentation was titled Drought Response and Water Conservation. So she's going to be speaking to some of those efforts made by uh, the division. Um, And we hope you enjoy listening to the audio. And I'll have some thoughts to share with you once you wrap it up. Good evening. How are you guys? Good. Got a couple thumbs up. I'm just really glad that they opened up the blinds so you can see that beautiful view for the reason why we're all here tonight. Um, my name is, as Jamie mentioned, my name is Candace Hosnieger. I'm the director at the Utah Division of Water Resources. And as I've been at the, at Water Resources for the last 15 years, I have never seen so much attention to water issues across the state. Um, and Utah Lake is, is no different. So obvious to everybody, we have been in a long-term drought, particularly this is a comparison from last year to this year, and we're in a little bit better situation than we were last year. But I, what I always like to indicate to people is because of last year, because last year was so hard, I don't know if you guys remember back in July when we've had, you know, straight days of hot with no, no rain in sight, and I was driving across the, I was driving in my, hometown and I looked over and I saw this billboard that said, Lord, whatever you're baking, it's done. And I quickly pulled over and snapped a picture of it because that's how I felt. Um, And then we got some monsoons, which were super great and kind of started off our year to be better than it was last year. Um, That being said, we're still in this long-term drought. And our reservoirs are, you can see the effects in our reservoirs, right? Our reservoirs are filled by our snow, the snow that accumulates in our wintertime. Um, and they, it warms up and the precipitation or in the snow runs off and fills up our rivers and our lakes and our reservoirs. And we can see here the statewide average as of, um, the, today is 42%, which is pretty remarkable because it's about the same place as we were last year at this time. But we started, you know, about 10% lower the year. So, and that goes to a lot of the conservation efforts that I'm going to talk about of from all the residents and all the businesses who are working um, to really save this precious resource that we have. 
Uh, one thing to note when you're looking at reservoirs is it really depends on where you're at, what the reservoir was designed for, how long it's supposed to hold water. Some reservoirs only hold enough water for one or two years, while others are held, you know, five to seven to ten years. Um, so it's just important to note when you're looking at the different reservoir levels. The one area of the state that is still very extremely hard hit is the Severe River, which is outside this basin, but it's just important to note the impacts across the state. And we look ahead, we like to look at these charts that this is the three-month outlook. So December, January, February, it's telling us we have likely uh, leaning above or likely above normal uh, temperature conditions. And we have equal chances in northern Utah for precipitation, whether it's above or below. There was once a snow survey um, general manager by the name of Randy Julander, and he used to always like to say equally clueless, but, you know, equal chances. We can go either way. I'm hoping for something bigger. Brian did a great job talking about Great Salt Lake, and so I'm, I'm not going to go into a ton of details other than to say a couple of things. When I look at Great Salt Lake, I view it as kind of like the canary in the coal mine. It tells us kind of generally our long-term trends, how it's impacting our water supply conditions and what the great the levels at Great Salt Lake are. The other thing I'll say, I was at a another conference, a water summit up in uh, Layton earlier this morning. Um, talking about Great Salt Lake, and someone came up to me afterward and said, well, don't forget Bear Lake, and don't forget Utah Lake, right? And I think it's really important to note that we are not trying to pit reservoirs or areas or lakes or reservoirs against each other, right? We are all in a connected system, in a connected basin, and we have to act like that and realize that all of the work that we do will impact all of our lakes and rivers. So this year, we've had a pretty remarkable response to the drought that we have been in. Um, I, I kind of like to talk when I talk about our drought response versus water conservation. And just to highlight the difference is a drought, drought response is like a temporary condition. Like, we are going to do this until we have a better water supply tomorrow. Um, where long-term water conservation efforts is just that. It's a sustained effort where we are reducing how much water we're using over the long term. And so we can see the drought response has been pretty phenomenal. Um, and these are just reported numbers. So this is not saying this is the whole statewide um, numbers or anything, but Salt Lake City reported that they saved 2.9 billion. Sandy City saved seven, uh, 726 million gallons. Washington County and our Southern Utah friends saved a hundred and, 111 million gallons providing less water. Um, Weber Basin saved about 22%, which is about 5 billion gallons. And when we, in Jordan Valley, they saved another half a billion. And when we total all these up, it's about 9 billion gallons, which equates to about 28,000 acre feet. So there was significant water savings um, that weren't having to be delivered. And it's a Big shout out to all the residents and businesses that, that made it happen. We've also seen, um, a pretty, uh, a ton of interest in our rebate programs. We have s smart irrigation controllers and over the life of the times that we've been doing the rebates, we've had 23,000, over 23,000 smart irrigation controller rebates. So if you haven't gotten one yet, 
they're out there, pretty much pays for your smart controller um, and takes the guesswork of how we irrigate our lawns and gardens. We have toilet rebates, and so we've done about 3,000 of those. Uh, another element that we're seeing a lot in the kind of water conservation realm is the adoption of water efficiency standards. Um, so this is really trying to get to the heart of how we're growing today and into the future. And I have said before, so I'll say it here again, it's kind of, you know, when you're a doctor, the first thing you do is kind of stop the bleeding. So first we need to change how we're developing and then go back and look at retrofitting some of our current area. Because I think to Brian's point and the messages that we are sharing is we need a long-term water conservation ethic and a change in how we use water. And we need to use less. Um, so we are seeing that throughout some municipalities throughout the state. When we talk about long-term water conservation, there's really three pieces to the puzzle. There's regulation, whether that's at the state or local level, which can include water conservation plans, regional water conservation goals, required metering, um, tiered water rates, landscape ordinance, plumbing standards are all different um, types of regulations that are either currently required at the state or the local level. There is also the ability to incentivize it, right? So that's how do we get people to change behaviors? And we do that through our rebate programs. We also are working with water suppliers to provide rebates for transparent water billing. So those are those similar bills like you get for your energy, where you're like, if you are doing really good and you use less energy than your neighbor, you get the smiley face or whatever. It's kind of a similar idea. And then also providing secondary metering grants, which I'll get into a little bit more. And that goes to the secondary water suppliers. So there are different levels, whether they're at the individual residence or water suppliers or secondary water suppliers. Uh, then education is a huge component of it. These days, most people are fairly disconnected from their water source. They go to the tap, we turn it on, and it comes out every day. And that's a huge thank you to all the water suppliers and the district managers out there that make that happen for us. But it also gives it, it makes it a little too accessible, right? We don't ever have to live without it, most of us, until, and so it, we're pretty disconnected from it. And so that education piece of the complexity of water, the importance of it is an extreme, um, ex extremely important part of it. Um, and we want to start with our youngest kids, right? We have had a fourth grade program. We went around and visited schools, had poster contests to really kind of instill that water-wise ethic at the beginning. So when we look, last year we worked with the governor's office to really identify like the four best ways to fast track water conservation in the state. And we did this by looking at one, integrating land use and water planning. So that's what I kind of already talked about is growing right from the start and trying to reduce how much water we're using. Once we put in that development or that landscape, that's going to set our water use patterns for decades to come. And that really can impact us in the long term. So let's integrate how we're growing and do it right from the first. We can't really talk about generally water conservation in the state 
Um, without talking about agriculture, we know agriculture uses a significant amount of water. And the goal with agriculture and agricultural optimization programs is that we are trying to allow agriculture to sustain. They're a part of our heritage um, and we want them to be successful. We just want to see, is there a better way to do it? Can we use less water? Can we change crops? Can we uh, innovate, provide new technologies? And so there are, are a bunch of grants available um, through the Utah, Utah Department of Agriculture and Food. There's about $70 million put toward that program. So it gives uh, farmers an opportunity to go and improve how they're irrigating their um, crops. Another one, another $250 million, $250 million, which is a ton of money, went to secondary metering. Uh, so this is an effort that we know through the studies that have been done that if we just go and put on a secondary meter and tell people what they used without even charging more or changing the rate structure, they are going to reduce their water use between 20 and 30% based on the studies. So it's one of the kind of lowest hanging fruits. Um, I have been very involved in this because this $250, $250 million came to the Board of Water Resources, and I have a slide on a little bit more details on it. Um, but yeah, so it's an exciting one there. And then we really wanted to expand the way we are landscaping and provide incentives for water-wise landscaping. So looking at trying to do a statewide, um, we call it a turf buyback program. What I really want to say is we want to put in water-wise landscaping. Um, and so $5 million went to the Division of Water Resources to develop that program. I can give you a little bit more details. So on the secondary metering portion, um, so, so far we've authorized $190 million. And I just got to give a huge shout out to my team because that was a lot of work over a short amount of time to try to get that money authorized. Um, this is money that has a an expiration date as part of the American Rescue Plan Act. So we have to have the projects completed by 2026. So we're trying to get it in the hands of the secondary water suppliers so they can get those meters in the ground. Um, and it looks like about 12% of the um, meter applications came from the Utah County area. Um, so with the estimated installation meters of 46,000 meters to be installed over the next few years here. We will have another round of applications. Um, so I, I can happy to provide more details if anyone is interested in that. Um, when we estimated if we get all of these meters in place with this $250 million, um, it saves about 54,000 acre feet, which is the size of about East Canyon, Sand Hollow. So it's a significant um, water savings. Um, we do estimate that we'll need additional money, but we're really focused on getting the money out the door right now. Um, I just wanted to highlight a little bit more about the landscaping rebate. Uh, so this came out of HB 121, uh, where we're really we have $5 million to get these landscaping rebates um, out into residents' hands. We're currently working with districts that have them um, and then also working to expand it to the other parts of the state. We're expecting a soft lunch to uh, begin the end of the month. Um, and then the residents will have about a year to complete the, the project. And so 
if you're not going to start in the end of October, then you might want to wait till next year. Um, but it's we're excited about this to have this program go out, and we'll have a full launch um, with the completely updated website uh, in the spring. So you can sign up for email rebates or email updates if you guys are interested, um, but it's pretty exciting. And we and generally just know that we need to really change how we use water in the state and reduce how much water we're using. Um, so that is just my brief presentation for you to talk about some of the efforts as far as water conservation going on in the state. Happy to answer any questions, or I can just turn it over to my friend John Mackey from Water Quality. Okay. Okay. Well, hopefully that was informational for you to listen in. And I want to correct uh, the name on there. Um, I pronounced her last name wrong. It's Candice Hassenjager, I think she said, uh, in the presentation. Um, so really appreciate um, RSU Fire and State Lands putting together this event and all the presenters and the information they covered on it. I think it's interesting, some of the points that uh, Candice shared uh, in regards to the fact that although we're still in a drought, that things are a little bit better this year. I love that she shared on that we have a variety of types of reservoirs. So looking at them across the table and saying, oh, Jordan L's at 44% and you Utah Lakes at 44%, not the same thing. They're used for different uses, drinking versus secondary water. They have different capacities. Um, so it is a, a complex and a multifaceted image that needs to be considered instead of just a straight across the board comparison. That being said, though, I love that she also hit on that we don't pit reservoirs against each other. Uh, the Division of Water Resources doesn't. I think all the agencies that we've worked with as well also work very hard to not do that. There is no one reservoir is better than the other, but trying to help each individual one and them all as a whole through the drought efforts and water conservation efforts that there are. And I love that that's a point saying it that way I did was something I think was really important she hit on is that there are drought response tactics that are used. Um, and there's also water conservation, which is much longer term. And those are some of the um, programs that have been ongoing and also recently implemented to have long term effect instead of just a short term effect, um, like cutting water usage um, by the various cities and counties and such. Um, lastly, I think it's really important that she hit on the disconnect that we have from water. Uh, this is something I've heard um, in my own personal life and in conversation with friends and family. Um, in fact, I think there was actually a, a podcast I listened to once where a, a guy talked about the disconnect we have with our wastewater system and how little we appreciate all that goes into taking the waste from our toilets or sinks or showers treating it and putting it back in the environment. And the same thing I think applies here with water resources that we're often disconnected from our water and as a result, don't value it as much and aren't as careful with it. Uh, to that same point she made, uh, Candace made about the secondary system metering of just tracking it shows a 20 to 30% decrease in water usage because people are connected better to it. So I hope from this episode today and from this series in general we're doing that it helps you to connect more with Utah Lake and the other water bodies here in Utah so that you can understand their value uh, and also participate and support the effort in trying to conserve water and be able to provide for our needs now as well as in the future. So we hope you enjoyed this one. Um, we'll have just a few more episodes. It looks like we've got uh, maybe three or four that are still on the books here that we'll be putting here on the podcast. And we'll have some other possible episodes coming in in the meantime too. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you're enjoying this series and enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review and let us know. And if there's something you're not liking, let us know that in the reviews too. We want to make sure we're providing for our listeners and what they're hearing and keeping them in the loop on the lake uh, and keeping this content interesting and, and uh, of use for you in learning more about the lake and supporting its efforts. So thank you for listening in. Please leave us a review 
review on iTunes or Google Podcasts, wherever you listen, and share the podcast with others. Thanks for listening to Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe so that you can receive notifications each time an episode comes out on Thursday mornings. And if there's something in here that you feel you can share, please post the link online, share with your friends so that everyone else can also learn about the facts, fiction, and fun to do with Utah Lake. Utah Lake.